0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Academy Show. I'm your host Mo Stewart and I'm joined once again by Matt Addison to delve into the world of the under-23s and under-18s and find out what has been happening. Well, the first thing I want to talk about today on this week's show is something that didn't really happen with the youth teams, but actually happened for the first team. Pep Linders, in his post-batch press conference ahead of the second leg of the Arsenal game, made a name-check of three particular young players, Matt, who he was hoping to be able to see again in pre-season. Now, for him to name-check them at a time when they weren't going to be involved seemed very pointed from Pep. He doesn't do anything by chance, this fella. And he mentioned Bobby Clark, Luke Chambers and our old friend Stefan Bechetic. And I think this is a really interesting thing for him to mention them so soon, so far away from preseason. But it's a big boost for all of them to know that they're in the manager's plans, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it, it can only be a good thing, can't it? If you hear your name being spoken about. And it, it wasn't as if Pep was asked specifically about those three, he kind of was asked I can't remember exactly what it was because it was a a couple of weeks ago, but he was asked a question around something else, something quite vague, I think around the kind of youth players and who might feature. And he just went out of his way really to to name check these three players. So it is, it's really interesting. It's, it's obviously a boost for them in terms of of the rest of, of this season. I know, Bobby Clark since then has trained with the first team a couple of times as well. He was in training just before this weekend's FA Cup game. So, you know, it's it's very much uh, an interesting one to keep an eye on, I think, for for the rest of this season. The fact that Pep has already mentioned these three players, I think, makes it pretty clear what he thinks of them. And, and they will all, I'm sure, train with the first team between now and, and the end of the season. But yeah, all three of them, as I'm sure, will come on to talk about really, really exciting and it is interesting. Quite often, you know, when you have press conferences and you speak to Jürgen Klopp or whoever it might be, they, they don't really give too much away. They try right. and kind of just keep it fairly plain and, and try and, and keep it simple and not give too much away. But yeah, Pep Linders is, is very much the opposite of that. He's very keen to put out things that maybe other managers wouldn't do, which obviously is great for us. And it gives us stuff to talk about as well.
1: I mean, it's great for us, and more than one reason, but I think it just shows how excited he is about the game, and this kind of long-term planning is kind of part of that as well, is that you can see the future already forming, and the potential for some of these kids forming, and I want to drill down a little bit more into Luke Chambers, first of all, because we've mentioned Bobby and Stefan in previous shows, but Luke might be a new name to some of our viewers. Now, he's a left-back uh, within the side. Would you, I know it's early days, would you class him more of the uh, attacking left-back, almost a winger as a full or is he more a pure defender, do you think?
0: It's interesting because, and I know we're going to come on to talk about the FA Youth Cup game against Chelsea, actually, but he was, was really impressive in that game, and that was... Mm-hmm. Probably a game that changed my perception of him in the sense that before that, I probably would have said he was quite defensive-minded. He was kind of defence-first. But in that Chelsea game, he he really did impress me. And it it was kind of, in an attacking sense, he he scored a goal, set one up as well, I think. Had a really good sort of combination with both Kate Gordon, who played a bit on the left, and also Milka Frauendorf as well, who started on that side and, and did really well. And it was really interesting to see that side of his game. I think... In, in previous games that I've seen him playing, he's not really done too much of, of that kind of thing. He's played it a little bit safer almost, but in that game, I'm sure he's done it in others as well. But for me, that was the first time really in, in the flesh that I'd seen him really push on and, and be kind of Andy Robertson type in, yes. in, in the way that he was pushing forward, overlapping, putting crosses in. It, it was a much, more, um, a, a much more Liverpool performance, I suppose you could say, from him, which... Obviously the the petliners' comments had, had sort of put a bit of focus on him in terms of yeah. he was one that he'd sort of been picked out. But I think he he really did stand out in that match as, as one of the, the best players. I think he captained the team on that day as well, which you know says a lot about what they, they think of his character and his personality as well. I think that was that was probably the first game where I'd seen him and thought there really is something here that, that yeah. Liverpool can work with. I think before that it was maybe more defensive obviously he's still got that side of his game but this was a a real insight i think into what he can do going the other way as well
1: which is fantastic news because it's almost as if you can see the uh the effects of someone like peplender shouting him out in the, in the public like that it's almost like he now believes that he's going to be operating in pre-season. He's going to have to do the work of a real Liverpool senior side. So all of those Andy Robbo traits, he's going to have to start getting them out there now. And I like the fact that he's taken that on. Now, um, as you mentioned, Bobby Clark has been in and around the squad a lot more. It seems to be, if not necessarily further on in his um, development, there seem to be a lot more um, tangible uses for him potentially. So... With pre-season, what we see a lot of the time is it is the a chance to embed the philosophy and the patterns of play, some of which may have some differences from the youth side, because obviously the team chops and changes maybe a little bit more back there. So do you think the inclusion of someone like Clark is with a view to him being involved in the Domestic Cups next season? Is that a step too far, too soon, maybe?
0: I wouldn't rule it out. I think he's, he's one of those that has come with a really big reputation he's sort of come six months after kate gordon is a similar sort of age he's come from a club where obviously at newcastle things have changed significantly since then with the, the investment that they've got but certainly at the time he felt that you know the, the best path for him to get into the first team was was going to be at liverpool and i think he's very much falling into that category again something we're going to talk about a little bit later on as well but i i don't think it's it's out of the question that he could go on on the the pre-season with the senior team in the summer and really impressed. As I mentioned, he's been already in uh first team training, which you know, sometimes you might look at it and say, well, maybe there's one or two injuries, or maybe they're a, a player short in that position, but that certainly wasn't the case last week. I know Alex Oxley Chamberlain had COVID and had to miss a couple of training sessions but other than that pretty much everyone is is fit i know again there's, there's players coming back from from internationals and, and stuff like that but there was still you know more than enough players that they were not desperate for numbers last week it, yeah. it was very much a case of of him being there because he deserved to be there because of his performances and i think yeah the, the, there's a good chance i think that we could see a little bit of him and you know i think people will be impressed with him when they see him i think you can very much tell that he's a, a, a Kate Gordon type player. He's one of those that can play in a couple of different positions. He's probably more of a number ten than than maybe a, a, a Kate Gordon. Kate Gordon mm. probably better out wide, but he, again, can play in, in a couple of those different roles. And yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he went on preseason and and he was the one that really stood out and and people kind of took a, a bit of notice of because, mm. like I say, he's he's not been at Liverpool long. He's settled in pretty well, but like we saw with Kate Gordon, preseason was was a big moment for him, really, where people had kind of heard about him. They'd seen the first six months. He, he kind of settled in, having come in in January. Pre-season was big for him. And, you know, you I, I don't think you can rule out a similar sort of thing for, for Bobby Clark, just from what I've seen and, and from what we've heard from people at Liverpool, people at Newcastle. There's there's a real buzz around him.
1: And that's the other side of them kind of putting them on notice this early. It's almost a chance to get ready. <laughs> it's like think about you, you're going to get your chance this summer. So make sure you've got everything you need to know it already blocked and loaded in your mind. So for Bersetjevic, it's a little bit more difficult in terms of Cup appearances next season because Liverpool are quite stocked with senior centre-backs already. I mean, even in in the Cup competition, you can imagine a bit of rotation. We'll still see two very strong centre-backs playing. And that's even before you counter the fact that Nat Phillips may or may not be coming back. Probably not. So, is this more in terms of getting him used to the style or just kind of like almost a a reward for the progress he's made to this point, do you think?
0: I think he has. He has made a lot of progress. The the interesting thing for me is that he obviously comes in as a centre-back, but the last three or four times that I've seen him have actually been in midfield. I do think there is a bit of a vacancy as a kind of Fabinho backup for Liverpool. I don't think Jordan Henderson is is a bad option to have there, but I think I'd rather have someone a little bit more naturally suited to playing in there. But I suppose the the sort of drawback with that is that whether it's centre-back or, or central midfield, it's not like there's any less options in one area compared to the other. It's still, you know, a, a big amount of, of competition to get minutes. So, I don't know. I do think that he is is a real talent. I think it would partly be a kind of a reward. He's probably less likely to get minutes in, in cup competitions just on the basis of it's probably harder to throw in a youngster at centre-back yeah. or central midfield than it is to put them in the, the front three. I think that's, that's probably a, a fair thing to say about him. I think he is a real talent. He looks really good on the ball. He's not been tested a huge amount in the games that I've seen him going the other way, you know, defensively. Didn't really have to do much against Burnley, for example, against the FA Youth Cup. Looked brilliant on the ball, could spray passes about and, and do all the kind of things that maybe someone like a Leighton Clarkson showed a lot last season. But you know, defensively, it's it, it's a different kind of, of test, really. I think to, to be able to do the role that Fabinho does, it, it takes a lot more than than that technical ability. So he's it, quite a hard one to judge in some ways, but there's a lot of talent there. Probably less likely to to be involved in terms of, of the first team next season, but moving forward, who knows? He's certainly got the talent.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from
0: the Liverpool Echo.
1: Well, that's an interesting way to think about it as well. And we've seen a lot of the times with the younger players when they are brought up to the senior squad and they're able to train alongside and pick the brains. Of the senior players, then you see them developing some of those skills a little bit easier. So maybe it'll be the same for Stefan. If he spends a little time training alongside Fabinho, he can start picking up the little hints and tricks that it takes to be a DM for Jurgen Klopp. Now, speaking of midfield options in particular, the youth team has been quite a focus for that because we've seen obviously Curtis Jones has come through in the last few years. We've got Harvey Elliott, who's kind of been someone who we've a young English talent who we've taken at the right time and we've allowed to develop in the youth team. Obviously, young English talent seems to be the de rigueur around at the moment. Obviously, we've got the links with Fabio Carvalho. We've had links with Jude Bellingham as well. Um, It's something that Liverpool have done in the past. We've seen it in working all the way back with someone like Raheem Sterling. I think Joe Gomez himself as well. So... This is not a new tactic, but do you think it's something that Liverpool are focusing a little bit more of a priority on than they had done in the last couple of years or so?
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely um, a kind of trait, really, that's happened too often for it to be an accident. I think yeah. the, there's obviously Bobby Clark that we've mentioned, there's Kate mm-hmm. Gordon, there's Elliot, there's you know players from abroad, which is more difficult now with Brexit regulations, but you'd look at someone like a, a Musielowski or a Fraundorf in that kind of area of the pitch as well. It's Obviously, not just in terms of the attacking options, but I think it makes sense in terms of the attacking players being most easily able to slot in when they're younger. They also probably cost a little bit more uh, than, than other areas of the pitch. So if you're going to try and save money in a certain place, you might as well try and make it a player who could potentially go on and, and do what Raheem Sterling has done or what, I don't know, Jaden Sancho or, or someone like that has yeah. done. If you get them at, at the right age, they can take off and, and get these big price tags attached to them so yeah it's it's very much you know try and get the best young british talent fabio cavallio is, is certainly one in, in that kind of model i know he was obviously dual nationality isn't he with portugal but he plays for for england's youth setup so he would you know be able to, to fit into to that sort of homegrown quota which is is hugely important it's also a lot easier now with the, the Brexit regulations to get hold of young British players rather than going abroad and, and getting other players in, in other areas. So yeah, it's it's definitely something that Liverpool are very conscious of of getting these best players coming through. And I think they've they've done it long enough now that there's a kind of pathway, I'm sure. You know, when they were speaking to, to Fabio Cavallio, they can use, you know, plenty of, of players as as reference points and say, Well, look, Harvey Elliott has done it, other players have done it, you're gonna do it other players behind you are going to do it it's very much a, a conveyor belt of, of talent and I think I know Manchester City have got Phil Foden coming through they've got one or two others that they're you know quite pleased with again Chelsea have done it with a couple of players Mason Mount Reese James but again that kind of came when they weren't able to make transfers yes. and they were were able to more easily and um, put those players in I think at Liverpool it's it's just part of the strategy it's it's part of uh, of what Jurgen Klopp has, has done and obviously what will happen beyond Jurgen Klopp as well it's it's very much just a thing that happens now and I think if you can say that to these young players it, it it's almost like you can become one of those Borussia Dortmund or Leicester or a team like that yeah. but also you're at the absolute top end as well it, it's not a case of having to sell these players you can get them you can play them and you can keep them
1: And that's the best of all worlds, really, isn't it? Because the reason why we might lose out to a player because to a Leicester or a Dortmund is because they may feel like they can offer them more minutes. But as you mentioned, we've got ample evidence of young players getting opportunities, not only through injuries and misfortune, but also just through playing well and developing through the side. And you mentioned, obviously, Manchester City. Some of those players are doing well, but they're still kind of involved in dead rubbers. I mean, Javier Lee started against Chelsea. I think that's something that you can quite easily point to if you're a young player. And even if you think about some of the players who haven't worked at Liverpool, tried, I think of the likes of Bobby Duncan, Rian Brewster, even Dominic Solanke probably falls into that category. They are, have since been able to go on and develop. is now a fantastic striker. Brewster's still just getting his career back, but he's still playing at a high level and Duncan is still technically playing for his team in Serie A. So even for the players who aren't successful at Liverpool, if you're a prospective uh, father of a, of a young player, then you're going to look at Liverpool and think, regardless of how it works out at the end, you're going to get benefit from joining this club.
0: Yeah, Exactly, that pathway is there and obviously not all of these players can make it. All of the, the youngsters that they bring in are not going to play for Liverpool long-term because you can only put 11 players on the pitch at once and unfortunately there's there's more than 11 good young English players at the moment. It's, it's one of those things where they are going to have to find at some point a, a new home for some of these players. But again, that's all part of it, isn't it, for Liverpool? If they sell them to a team that's maybe a, a level below them but still... I don't know, we're still a champions league team, even though there, there are there are still teams that fit into that category. And of course, Liverpool will be able to have things like buyback options. They will have, you know, sell on clauses. They've done all of that with Brewster. They've done it with other players. It's it, it's very much a part of, of the process. And I don't think it will ever become a problem. There is there is a little part of me that thinks, you know, if, if they stockpile too many of these players and suddenly players start to, to think maybe the pathway is being blocked, it, it could go the other way. But I just think it's at the moment at least for, for two or three seasons it's going to be okay anyway but even after that you know that there is obviously examples of, of players where you can sell them on and even someone like you'd look at say Tammy Abraham at Chelsea I'm sure you know if in an ideal world they'd have rather have kept him but decided to to move him on and and could potentially bring him back at some point in the future I think it's it's just the way that the big clubs move, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. certainly, you know, Real Madrid, PSG, you look at these sorts of teams, they've had players come through, they've played them, they've made money on them, they've moved them on and, and then brought them back. It's it, it's not the end of the world if you have to do that either. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's all looking good for Liverpool, I think, mm-hmm. in, in that sort of regard. And I'd be surprised if Fabio Cavalho didn't come in the summer because even though the whole of Europe is after him, the, the sort of, the project almost, for want of a better mm-hmm. word, at, at Liverpool is is very much there and, and easy to see.
1: I think so. And for a lot of those other teams that might come in, so much of what they are doing is still up in the air. Whereas for Liverpool, he's has been given a clear plan of exactly what his future will be in the short to medium and even long term. So, yeah, I'm as confident as you are. Now, you mentioned Chelsea there a couple of times. And so it's probably time to go on our results roundup and start, unfortunately with a defeat to Chelsea in the fifth round of the FA Cup for our under-18s, having got through the last round quite comfortably against Burnley. It was a strange game, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Liverpool looked comfortable in terms of the result for quite some time, and then it just turned. And Chelsea are a good side at this level, so there's no shame in that respect to losing to them. But 3-0 up at home, 20 minutes to go, and you lose the game. Yeah. That's, it's, it's it's tough. It's going to be a tough one to take. These boys are going to remember this for one way or another, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and that was the the kind of impression I got speaking to to their manager at the end of the game. It was kind of like, well, yes, you can learn quite a lot from these games, but we'd rather they didn't have to learn yeah. from that. We'd rather they didn't manage to concede four goals in in twenty minutes. I mean, yeah, it was it was a bizarre game to be honest. I think Liverpool were probably slightly fortunate to be three up but probably maybe two nil would have been more reflective of of how the game was they they did sort of make the most of of the chances when they had them they finished pretty well as I mentioned before Luke Chambers even you know scoring the goal there was you know a goal I think for Kate Gordon in that one as well I mean it was it, it was a good performance it was a performance that should have sort of been two nil up you kill the game and it just finishes two nil Instead, it was 3-0 and then it finishes 3-4. So it was it was one of those where it it, it kind of, I mean, I mean, to be honest, it, it, even when that first goal went in, it was a slightly fortunate, deflected goal from the outside of the box. And you mm. kind of thought, no, OK, 3-1 it shouldn't make too much difference. It, it's not going to matter that much. But yeah, then it, it just became 3-2. Then it was 3-3 and, and suddenly Chelsea were on a little bit of a roll and, and Liverpool just couldn't really, show that kind of experience which you know for, for under 18s, it's probably yeah. not a massive surprise but at the same time it, it will be something that they have to learn from so yeah mark bridge wilkinson was a little bit shell-shocked a little bit disappointed at the end mm-hmm. to have lost but i suppose that the kind of positive is that at some point you are gonna sort of have to learn from these things mm-hmm. what do you do differently next time how do you make sure that once it gets to 3-2 You absolutely kill the game even if it's just you know someone goes down feigning injury or you put the ball over the fence or whatever it might be there's got to be a a better way of of managing that game and yeah chelsea didn't really look like getting back into it until the the last 10 minutes and then the the 10 minutes they scored three goals and somehow somehow managed to to win and and not liverpool out
1: I mean, it's a hard lesson, but an important lesson to learn about closing the game down because we've seen it so much at senior level, uh, momentum can be massive. Maybe you're not going to get a game running away from you quite as uh, dramatically and quickly as this happened, but it is very important to shut games down. I mean, the senior team have learned that lesson a few times this season themselves, haven't they? Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a real shame, actually, because the competition was really opening up for them that the holders are already out and I think Manchester United play Everton in the next round so one of those two would go out I can't remember who it is that Liverpool would have played in the next round but it was a fairly sort of winnable tie you would say and I think Chelsea now will will be the favourites I think they've reached the final eight out of the last 10 uh, tournaments so it's it's obviously a very strong Team within that competition for them, but yeah, yeah it's it, it's a real shame because if Liverpool had have got through, I think they probably would have been the the favourites. So whoever won out of, of this game would have been the favourites to go all the way. And pretty sure that the next round is, is a quarter final. If you win that, which they probably would have done, you're then looking at semi final at Anfield, final somewhere else. It it would have been just a, a really good experience for these these players to to be able to to get through. And yeah, when they were and they were 3-0 up with 20 minutes left, you kind of thought <laughs> they were going to do that, but unfortunately it wasn't to be.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: I mean, I mean, there's
1: an argument to say maybe they were thinking that too. Well, <laughs> that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, as we say, they're young, they're learning. Now, the under-23s have only played one game since our last show, but it was a very solid away win against Crystal Palace. And... This game was notable for me, Matt, because Palace, as is the one within Premier League two rules, included three players who are from their senior side, including two former Liverpool players in Nathaniel Klein and Martin Kelly. So for the players to be able to comprehensively beat a team like that uh, away from home, the team with three full internationals as well with Jaro Wiedewald, that's got to be a massive boost for all of them, surely.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it was um, it was an important sort of one for for them to be able to to play. And I mean, Liverpool were fairly experienced as well, considering it was at that level. I mean, Leighton Clarkson was playing; he's been sort of in the the championship. I know he hasn't played a huge amount, but he's been sort of with Blackburn for the first half of the season. So that was was a player that you'd expected to be able to cope with that. Obviously, Kate Gordon was there as well, scored a really nice goal, actually. If, if anyone hasn't seen it, do go and, and check that out. A little bit Mohamed Salah-like, I would say. Sort of the dribble forward, the jink inside, and, and then the uh, the ability to to finish. So, yeah, that was was good to see. He did miss a penalty as well in that one, but uh, we'll let him off given he scored in the second half. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, to, to obviously come up against those kind of, of experienced players is, is only ever going to be a, a good thing. And it, it's probably not something that they get too often, is it? We... Obviously, know that it is a possibility that these overage players can come into it. I know Liverpool played. I think at the back end of, of last season, they played Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, and I think Danny Drinkwater was playing and Marcos Alonso or someone like that. But generally speaking, this doesn't really happen. So yeah, it, it can only be yeah, it can only be a good thing for them.
1: Well, didn't you know, Matt? Missing a penalty and still being able to clinch the game is a Liverpool thing as well. Kind of is he's learning much. all the time. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm really interested in um, Martin Kelly in particular, because obviously he's a former Liverpool youth player, so he would have been able to see exactly... His, him almost his former self really in the Liverpool players and so I, I do wonder whether or not he had a, a little word with some of them after the game just you know let them know they're on the right path or maybe even let them know uh, what the reality of football can be sometimes
0: <laughs> yeah yeah the, the reality of football yeah I don't know how old he is now but sort of late <laughs> late 20s isn't he I think maybe yeah. and uh yeah, probably uh, not ideal for, for him to be back in with the under twenty-threes. I don't know if he's coming back from injury or, or whether he's just out of favour, I'm not too sure, but yeah. my uh,
1: suspicions my suspicions are the latter, to be honest, yeah. without wanting to do him too much of a disservice. But he will yeah. always be a quiz question because he was indeed selected for Euro was it twenty sixteen or twenty twelve? You actually select
0: 2012, I would think. Oh, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, it must be twenty twelve. Yeah, it's Roy Hodgson. of course it was twenty twelve. No, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, he will always have that. And hopefully maybe some of the players in the Liverpool team will be able to be selected to go to an international tournament and maybe they'll actually play. <laughs> Who knows? Now, um, before we go, we have, as is traditional, your uh, one to watch fella. So do you have someone locked and loaded and ready?
0: I do, yeah. It's um it, it becomes increasingly difficult having done this show for three years, a <laughs> name that no one has, has heard of before. But I am I'm gonna go with Isaac Mabaya, which is probably not one that that probably a lot of people have seen. Still only seventeen, but again was, was another one that impressed me against Chelsea. I mean, I will caveat it by saying one of the Chelsea goals came from him clearing the ball, it deflected off a player's shin and went into the net. So that wasn't brilliant, but The rest of his performance, I think, was quite impressive. And and he's impressed me a couple of times, actually, this season. He's still only 17, like I say, so there's still sort of a long way for for him to go in terms of his development. But the thing that's kind of caught my eye, really, is that he can play right back in a kind of very Liverpool attacking, play in the passing type way. But he can also play as a holding midfielder as well. And he sometimes does one or the other against Chelsea. He did a bit of both and, and started in midfield, ended up at right back. And that just really sort of shows that the versatility and, and the intelligence that he's got to be able to, to switch between those two roles. And I'm not convinced he's quite ready for, for next season in terms of, of the senior team. I think there's, there's still one or two seasons for him to, to have time on his side and, and still develop, doesn't turn 18 until September. So still, you know, good time on his side to be able to, to continue his development. But what I would say is a right back central midfield hybrid, it wouldn't go amiss in terms of sort of being the backup to Fabinho and to, to Trent Alexander-Arnold. As I say, it's it's still far too early to be thinking of him in that kind of way. But I have, for the last few months, been racking my brain to think is uh, someone that Liverpool can get in the transfer market that maybe can play both backup roles of, of the number mm-hmm. six and at right back. There is a little bit of a slot in there if Liverpool can wait a, a season or two and if he develops and, and continues to, to play the way he is at the moment, possibly could be someone to, to keep an eye on. But yeah, for now, one to watch, what I would say yeah. is one to watch between now and, and the end of this season. And, and who knows, you know, could be could be one for, for beyond that as well.
1: He could be the latest hot housing project. I mean, if you think about it, both Fabinho and Trent have got experience of playing both positions, if only slightly in certain cases. So getting him into training, having a little sit down with the two of them, pick his brains, I can see a plan forming Matt. I can see a plan. See, Liverpool got it all worked out. All the ducks are lining up nicely. I like this.
0: Yeah, it it certainly wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But yeah, as I say, don't want to put too much pressure on him. The next (laughs) Trent or the next Fabinho, absolutely, I'm not saying that. But he is certainly someone to, to keep an eye on.
1: Well, this is more just in case Pep's listening to the show uh, and is looking for any more ideas for the preseason group. So, yeah, I'm just going to plant some seeds there. But it's been a fantastic show as ever, Matt. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to seeing what the future has in store for all of these lads. And thank you all for watching. We'll be back again soon.
0: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.